of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, October 6, 2021 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continuing use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this new requirement, we will amend this morning's agenda and add a new item 4A to consider whether continuing use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv ch channel 26, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGovTV. And uh, the commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these mm -hmm. unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. And I just wanna thank the staff of SFGovTV who are helping us today and also our staff who assist us uh, to make sure that public comment runs smoothly. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. Uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, President Knutson. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. And President Martha Knutson? Present. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Jung. Present. Commissioner Michelle Carrington. Commissioner Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar. Present. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman. Thank you. Wonderful. President Knudsen, we have a quorum. Great. Thank you. Do you want to start with the next item set. three? I apologize. Yes. Commissioners, the next item, item three is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both Channel 26 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. 
making comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001 with access code 2498039-9650, pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak, and you will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to myself, jasmine.bello at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from the DOS commission members at this time? And if none, we can move on to the next item. Okay, thank you so much. Um, commissioners, your next agenda item is item four, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, September 1st, 2021 DOS commission meetings. And I wanna take this opportunity at this point to thank uh, Vice President Spears for chairing the meeting. Uh, last time I got nothing but <laughs> rave reviews. So I was assured that you did such a great job, which I, I knew you would, but I really appreciate your doing that. So I could uh, 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 visit members of my family. Um, and uh, so thank you for that. Um, are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the September 1st, 2021 DOS commission meeting minutes? All right, then I don't think I hear anything. Um, we all had a chance to uh, review it. Are there any public comments? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve September 1st, 2021 a DOS Commission meeting minutes? I move. So, uh, Commissioner Jung. So moved. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, Commissioner Lum seconded. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the September 1st, 2021 uh, meeting minutes? Certainly. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Okay, thank you. 
Um, commissioners, your next item, as I mentioned before, is agenda item 4A, a resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings of the DOS Commission. On September 16, 2021, the governor signed AB 361, a bill that amends the Brown Act to allow local policy bodies to continue to meet by teleconferencing during a state of emergency, provided that the policy bodies make certain findings at least once every 30 days. San Francisco continues to operate under Mayor Breed's emergency order of July 31st, 2020, which prohibits in-person public meetings other than the Board of Supervisor meetings to ensure the safety of policy body members, city staff, and the public. The DOS Commission has met remotely during COVID-19 pandemic in a manner that allows public participation and transparency while minimizing health risks that would be present with in-person meetings. Under the recently signed amendment to the Brown Act, if the DOS Commission will continue to meet remotely, we must find that there are still risks for meeting in person and that the DOS Commission resolves to teleconference in a manner that protects the particip participation rights of the public. And I uh, want to uh, note that our city attorney, David Reese, has uh, assisted us in making sure that we uh, state this uh, resolution clearly is here for any questions the commissioners might have about this resolution that we're having today. Uh, are there any questions that you have? I'm just a comment that I think is a really good idea. Just a comment uh, I think is. And a really good idea. It's a really good idea. And now the for me, and also I was willing to go to City Hall and all, but did I was the, to go to City Hall and all, but uh, this makes it easier. This makes it easier. And also, even though we're doing really well in San Francisco. And also, even though we're doing really well in San Francisco. With the, um, you know, since we serve seniors and people with disabilities. Since we serve seniors and people with disabilities. I think we have to be extra careful. I think we have to be extra careful. Okay, thank, thank you for that comment. Any other comments or questions from commissioners? Okay, then Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, we have one caller in the queue. I will be transferring now. Thank you. Caller, you have three minutes. So my name is Francisca da Costa, and I'm the director of environmental justice advocacy. I've been uh, the director for the last 40 years, and uh, I have poliomyelitis on my left leg, but uh, most people uh, don't consider me um, physically challenged. 
Uh, I want to bring to your attention that over 30% of our population, which is 840,000, have some kind of disability. And uh, Disability and Aging Services Commission, and I've spoken once or twice, has done a very poor job when it comes to outreach. Just making superficial statements doesn't count. Actions count. So a lot of people that are mentally challenged and physically challenged have issues with food security. How are y'all helping them? I once interceded because a lot of seniors who are physically challenged were not uh, being given an opportunity to get their vaccinations. So I took it upon myself to provide the transportation and take them to a center to get vaccination. I got no response from the Disability and Action Services Commission after I made my comment. So I'm asking y'all, this pandemic has been with us for 19 months plus. What have y'all done to serve those that need help most? And where can we get the data? Do y'all have a website that really has the true data? And stop making general statements. We, the physically challenged, the mentally challenged, the seniors, want good actions, good actions that come from a clean heart. Stop making general statements. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Okay, and thank you. Um, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to adopt a resolution finding that city officials continue to recommend social distancing and that the DOS Commission will continue to meet by teleconferencing with opportunities for public participation. Uh, so moved. Uh, so moved by Vice President uh, Spears, seconded by uh, Commissioner Bittner. Uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the proposed resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings? Certainly. President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? God, again. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Great, thank you so much, commissioners. Um, and now uh, item, I'll call item five, which is uh, the executive director's report and welcome executive director Dearman. Thank you so much, President Knudsen. Good morning to you all and I'm, I'm happy to see you. So now for my report, first I'll talk about the state eviction prevention funding. State's eviction moratorium ended September 30th. Our communications team has been working on getting out information about the funding that the state is making available for eviction prevention activities. Flyers have been sent out to 49,000 IHSS clients and providers in English, Spanish, and Chinese. Renters are now responsible for paying 100% past due rent, but 
there is funding available to cover all of this for individuals who meet specific criteria. In all cases, the landlord must apply for the California COVID-19 rent relief program before they can proceed with an eviction lawsuit against the renter. Callers are directed to the state's hotline where they can directly apply for assistance. Um, and that number is 833-687-0967. It is also possible to apply online at housingiskey.com. And if folks have um, additional questions or need help on that, you can always call the DOS Integrated Intake Hotline at 415-355-6700. In terms of um, housing and homelessness, DOS is continuing to support the Department of Homelessness and supportive housing with their effort to reduce individuals, rehouse, I'm sorry, with an effort to rehouse individuals who are currently residing at shelter-in-place hotels. We are doing this by tailoring our programs, including APS and IHSS services, to better meet the needs of individuals who were formerly homeless. Adult Protective Services is currently in the planning stages for phase two of the state's home safe program. DOS intends to utilize the state funds to assist the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing and the Department of Public Health to coordinate comprehensive long-term care plans for individuals who are residing in permanent supportive housing units but need to transition to a higher level of care due to cognitive impairment or serious mental illness. Final details of this plan are pending notification from the state regarding our local funding allocation. Next, I want to remind you about a virtual event hosted by the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council happening in support of the Master Plan for Aging that will happen on October 26th from 1 to 3 p.m. The city is adopting a zero tolerance for homelessness among older adults and people with disabilities and prioritizing services that help prevent homelessness within these populations. This forum will be a panel discussion on these important issues. Hopefully you all have received um, an invitation. Next, DOS has launched the Dignity Fund Needs Assessment process, which will last throughout this fiscal year. For background, this process is conducted every four years in order to identify gaps and needs and services. Starting next fiscal year, we develop a service and allocation plan that is based on the findings from this process. That service and allocation plan will guide DOS funding over the following three fiscal years. We have already met with the Oversight and Advisory Committee for Dignity Fund about the process. That stop, DOS staff and community stakeholders are now conducting key informant interviews. They will be meeting with the service provider working group, and we are in the process of coordinating and scheduling focus groups and town hall meetings. Um, the state's Department of Public Health recently expanded vaccine mandates to individuals who work in a variety of healthcare settings including all facilities that are licensed by California's Department of Social Services. This includes residential care facilities for the elderly and adult residential facilities. All in-home direct services workers are also required to be vaccinated 
and this includes in-home supportive services workers. Although DOS is not responsible for the enforcement of that mandate, because as you know, we are not the employers for the IHSS workers. Also included in the state's recent expansion are hospice workers and regional center employees and their service providers. In terms of boosters, the Department of Public Health is encouraging people who are seeking boosters to access them through their health system provider or retail pharmacies, such as CVS, Walgreens, or Safeway, or by finding an appointment on the sf.gov website. The larger health systems are offering vaccinations by appointment. Neighborhood vaccination sites are also starting to set up appointments. They will also revisit people who are homebound. DOS is working with the vaccination branch regarding getting pop-up sites for very specific populations, such as individuals with visual impairments and those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, and you all know that DOS and HSA are coming back to work on November 1st, now that the FDA has approved the vaccine. The city is requiring all city and county of San Francisco employees to get vaccinated. All staff have to be vaccinated, have to be vaccinated by November 1st with only a few exceptions. And that is all I have to report right now, unless there are any questions. Are there any questions from commissioners at this point? Or comments? Okay. Um, then let's move along uh, to our DOS employee recognition. Certainly. Commissioners, item six is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knudsen, and the DOS Commission will honor Yukihiro Ipe Yasuda from the DOS Benefits and Resources Hub Integrated Intake Unit. Thank you so much. Uh, congratulations to Ipe Yasuda. Um, this is an honor very well deserved. Ipe wears many hats. He is an intake staff. He is a BIPOC member. He is a health champion and he is the chair yoga leader at the hub. But no matter which hat he is wearing, he is always a helpful, knowledgeable and supportive team member who cares about both his clients and his coworkers. Ipe has a wide range of contributions to the department and to his clients. He adopts a whole person approach and provides comprehensive assessment to clients approaching, intake unit, approaching the intake unit for services. He's not just offering services that clients are asking. He helps clients develop long-term plans to address their concerns. He is the one updating other coworkers about any change in community resources. Ipe has a vision in anticipating clients' future needs. At the beginning of the pandemic, when everyone was focused on how to address the food security issues, Ipe had already expressed concerns about the possible social isolation arising from the shelter-in-place policy. He looked for resources to help support older adults and adults with disabilities while they were staying at home. Ipe is also very attentive to his co-workers' well-being. He uses his lunch break to run chair yoga for his co-workers at the home. He is the health champion and is a role model on how to have a healthy diet, to exercise, and to maintain a balance between work and leisure life. He is very deserving of this award, and it is my honor to recognize him as being the employee of the month. Congratulations. 
President Newsom, do you have anything to add? Just, uh, we, as I always say, it is so wonderful for us to be able to put a face to the work that we understand is going on. And I, I can't think of a, a better articulation of this than what you've just said today. So I just wanna say thank you on behalf of the commission and, and uh, all the people we represent. Uh, the, we are particularly uh, concerned and always focused on the benefits hub and what they do and how to make sure as many people as possible get the services and hearing uh, how you approach that. If anything, I'd say just to be sure you get your lunch. <laughs> it sounds like you. you're working through it. <laughs> so, uh, so, but thank you very much on behalf of all of us. Thank you very much for the dishonor. I appreciate that. And then also the, I appreciate the, all the support I've been receiving from my supervisor and my coworkers, and then also the, the, uh, my clients. I mean, the, the people who are calling us, yeah, they are the one who teaches me, teach me constantly. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Or do we want to move to item seven then? Yes, commissioners. Item seven is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. Good morning, uh, executive director Dearman uh, and commissioners. Um, I want to just make a comment before I begin my report. Um, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank DOS and members at the hub. It's been wonderful to have that phone number in my um, phone so that I can contact when friends or someone asks about how to get resources in San Francisco to just be able to either email that information or send it uh, or, or text it. it. It's just really a godsend. Um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about hubs and spokes um, Briefly, but I think it's. Um, I just want to say thank you because it's it's a great resource to be able to suggest to people. Mm -hmm. So so much and congratulations to the employee of the month. I agree with President Knudsen. It's always it's my favorite part of the meeting to get to see the faces of those who do such great work for the city and county of San Francisco and those that we serve. So the advisory council met on September fifteenth. And then we had a special council meeting on September 27th, on September 27th. Um, at our September 15th meeting, Kathy DeLuca from the Community Living Campaign was a guest. Um, on membership, we continue to work on filling the vacant positions. Um, we have uh, two of the supervisors are working with um, possible members of their communities to provide us uh, new members. Uh, one I've been in contact with um, through uh, Patty Spaniak, who uh, this new person would be replacing. Um, Executive Director Dearman has offered to um, provide a cover email to those uh, that we haven't heard from. And Jasmine has our third letter uh, ready to go. And we've targeted that so that the folks who um, are making efforts, we acknowledge that. Um, the um, LGV, there were no um, dignity fund updates for the month. 
but as Director uh, Dearman uh, mentioned, there's beginning the, um, the the council's interest in what will be coming out of the needs assessment and any help we can provide. The LGBTQ um, and updates in July, the Third Circuit upheld the LBGT, LGBTQ Bill of Rights, which mandated the correct use of pronouns and that the failure to do so violated free speech. And the Commission on California Commission on Aging, along with Justice and uh, Aging, had filed amicus letters, as did the National Council for Lesbian and uh, Gay Rights. The um, site visits, we continue to explore where to go from here. We, um, have, it's, a, it's an ongoing discussion. And one of the points, of course, is how comfortable our members are going into, uh, into sites. They, we had an update quickly on um, the hubs and spokes uh, process. Um, this was part of the discussion at the TAC meeting um, last month, which I'll report on next month to the council, to the commission. The, um, just wanted to give you a brief heads up, uh, Dr. Marcy Edelman, who is on the um, California Commission on Aging, along with Annie Chung, uh, co-hosted a um, video at a Bay Area and Central Coast um, town hall on September 14th. And in the in my notes that uh, I'll share with Jasmine, there are the links to all of those presentations. There's one uh, coming up. There's a leadership in aging webinar today that'll talk about this, but there's the Los Angeles County, Los Angeles and Southern California town hall on the hubs and spokes. Um, our uh, benefits and resource hub is serves as a bit of a model for that. Um, Annie Chung, also the executive director of uh, self-help for the elderly, along with Dr. Marcy Edelman, uh, co-chaired. And um, Ms. Chung spoke on the hub and spoke model here in San Francisco. The goal is that by December of this year, there'll be a model for the AAAs and there will be a virtual briefing to share the findings and next steps. Um, and the date for that um, is to be determined. Okay. Um, the, um, as you know, we have an ad, we've had an ad hoc committee uh, began late last year and has been going on through this year um, on um, senior homelessness. And you each have received a copy of that report. The ad hoc group presented their report at both our August and September meetings. And then our September 27th meeting was to um, finalize the council approval and a plan to move forward. Um, as you've read in our report, and I'll just do briefly, um, a variety of agencies were interviewed. Um, due to the pandemic, it was difficult to schedule one with DOS staff. Um, the um, Coalition on Homelessness's report, Stop the Revolving Door, a street level framework, um, provided the, um, and their survey, uh, provided some results that were then recalculated in order to just look at seniors and the disabled. So they focused on residents who were 60 plus in age. Um, African-Americans represented about 57% um, among the 60 plus respondents, as opposed to 38% in the larger survey, 
LGBTQ are upper, upper underrepresented. And um, the um, there was a question of where the last residence was before someone became um, homeless. 25% of those over 60 uh, reported that it was a single, single uh, residency um, hotel uh, occupancy uh, compared with 9% in the full survey. And 81% of senior homeless stayed in traditional shelters and 14% in navigation centers uh, compared to the larger survey who stayed in shelters and 28% in navigation centers. And as um, Executive Director Dearman just pointed out um, in the work going forward, uh, there will be a focus on seniors and the disabled. Um, some of the top needs include case management, particular in housing. Um, top service needs include uh, mental health treatment, case management, anger management, substance abuse. Uh, also looked at what the drugs of choice were. Serious mental illness um, was at about 8.3% of this pop, uh, 60 plus per, uh, group, where it's 3.3% in the general population. One thing that was noted is that physical disability, including mobility issues and chronic pain, uh, were reported among the older unhoused adults compared to uh, younger ones. And then um, the team also reached out to 17 different um, agencies and city agencies. Some of the key findings really quickly, services are scattered and not coordinated within the shelters navigation centers, shelter-in-place hotels. And as um, Executive Director Dearman said, this is something that um, is being discussed. Um, the um, shelter residents faced a, of a variety of challenges such as dementia, vision, medication, um, urinary um, and uh, constipation issues, at risk for falls and dietary needs, and one of the challenges is the centers, oftentimes shelters and navigation centers, are not um, structured uh, from a building standpoint with ramps and um, beds and all that, that meet that uh, group. Um, one of the other issues that was pointed out in the findings is that um, oftentimes that typically Residents of the navigation centers and shelters need to be out early and sometimes um, as they're going out looking for employment and others, and there may need to be some flexibility with older um, citizens. Um, need for training um, and to look at uh, on, on how to deal with mental health issues and um, dealing with seniors and potential. Um, provide for need, um, this looks like I skipped a page here. Okay, so some of the key findings, some of the recommendations are to um, endorse a healthy aging model. Um, the, the group endorsed the healthy aging model that is provided by the Episcopal uh, Community Services. Uh, which provides a model that could be applied to uh, various groups. Provide for admittance to shelters 
uh, where the clients go through a comprehensive needs assessment process. Uh, obviously, the availability of increased long-term uh, ongoing rent subsidies for seniors and those with and persons with disabilities. As I mentioned previously, increased training for shelter and, uh, and center staff provide orientation sessions um, for shelter clients about case management, how to report, um, look at why seniors are moving out of SROs and utilizing uh, shelters over navigation centers, um, use the uh, HSH adult coordinated entry system personnel at the two golf um, resources hub, um, obviously greater um, access to assisted living facilities, skilled nursing and hospice. Um, and a cadre of universal case managers that could act as a team and work across the departments uh, would be helpful. Develop um, programs such as Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, and other programs to address some of the um, behavioral needs. Um, the, uh, and then pro pro uh, provide exclusive transportation uh, because that oftentimes is another uh, problem. The uh, report has been um, sent to all of you. Um, it has uh, been sent to executive director of Department of Homeless and Housing Support, Shereen McSpadden. And um, the, um, we have a plan in place to distribute it further. That will take place after a um, meeting um, in the next few, hopefully week, week and a half um, with executive directors, McSpadden and Dearman with the council to see how we, we move forward. Does that conclude your report? It does. Okay. It was very, very comprehensive. So thank you so much, uh, very, very much for all of the work that went on in the last couple of months, especially around this, this very important issue. Uh, and we appreciated your sending us the report uh, so that we could review it, um, absorb it, uh, which I'm sure we all read it and uh, we'll uh, try to, to work on uh, focusing on, on some of these recommendations. Uh, do we have any comments or questions from the other commissioners on uh, any parts of all the work of the advisory committee in the last month or so? And seeing no comments or questions there, we can move on to the next item, item eight. Commissioners, item eight is the joint legislative report also presented by the Advisory Council President, Ms. Diane Lawrence. Um, good morning again. The uh, governor has until October 10th, uh, so I guess that's Sunday, to sign bills or to let them expire. Uh, we know that many of them that will um, expire, uh, that are expired will come back next year. The governor did do quite a lot of um, bill signing earlier this week, and those will um, will have an update for you uh, in the final report at the November meeting. Um, there are a number of bills 
that have gone to um, what is called engrossing and enrolling, which is basically some uh, a individual unit in uh, each house that's responsible for, for proofreading and amending the measure so that it they match if there were two, the, the assembly had a version and the Senate had a version. And then those, um, that group sends them to the governor for consideration. Um, so some that were, that have been engrossed and enrolled are the communications, and this is advanced services uh, for deaf and disabled telecommunication programs. It allows the surcharges to continue for 10 years. Paid family leave, uh, weekly benefit amount, which would revise the formula for disability, uh, for periods of disability uh, between January 1st, 2023 and January 20, January 1st, 2023 and before 1-1-2025. And then it recalculates, there's a new formula in 1-1-2025. The AB 279 immediate care facilities, which prohibits until mid 2022, um, an independent care facility or a skilled nursing from facility for terminating or making significant quality of care changes um, to its services or support, um, supportive care services. Um, and it puts into place some um, where the owner has to give 90 days notice while we're in a period of emergency. Um, Long-term care health facilities, AB 2323, uh, defines a class A violation for um, not following the law. And AB 580, emergency services, it looks at vulnerable populations. And this is going to require counties to develop and re revise emergency plans to address the issues identified by the Office of Emergency um, Services in their review of the counties, and then requires a county to send a copy of its plan to OES before 3-1-2022. This is uh, legislation, um, types of legislation we've seen on the last couple of years because of the wildfires. Um, AB 636 on financial abuse for elder and dependent cares, uh, elder and or dependent adults. And this allows information to be shared with a federal law enforcement and then shared locally. And um, see the um, SB 48 Medi-Cal, this requires an annual cognitive health assessment and it makes the Medi-Cal provider eligible to receive payments for this benefit only if they comply with certain uh, requirements, including uh, completing training. Um, bills on timely access to care, um, SB 380 on the end of life, uh, SB 591, senior citizens and intergenerational housing developments. Um, and then we know that Veteran Services notice um, referral for residential care facilities for the elderly and what those duties are, and long-term health facilities, patient representatives. We expect those bills, uh, which just kind of were sent to the inactive file, 
will probably come back next year. So it'll be another busy season starting in January. Okay. We appreciate okay, it. Joint Ledge appreciates the help of the um, our partners from the commission who are on that committee. Look forward to working with them again. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, thank you for including our new our priorities and highlighting the work that's being done for veterans and disabled community and uh, as well as uh, seniors. So it's a lot of lot of work. <laughs> Thank you so much. Are there any comments or questions from the commission uh, regarding the joint legislative report? All right, then should we move on to item nine? Certainly. Commissioners, item nine is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher. Good morning, commissioners and executive. I'm going to provide a uh, just a brief update on the case writing project and some case programming uh, before we talk about the service provider working group. Um, so the case writing project uh, moves along. Judy Goddess, who is the program coordinator for this project, is has uh, interviewed all of the agencies at this point and has started. The, um, the the writing of their innovative efforts this uh, past year and a half to provide um, services both virtually and and even in person services as we move forth here. Um, again, we hope to have uh, this project finalized uh, by the uh, end of November, early December uh, timeframe that we mentioned in the last commission meeting. And you can see there the the um, the themes that we have targeted and the organizations that are um, uh, associated with those themes. Case programming uh, in September, we had a presentation on HIV and aging uh, from Vincent. Chrysostomo, the Director of Aging Services at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and Jesse Guillen, uh, the HIV and Aging Workshop Chairman and Founder and Director of the HIV Long-Term Survivors International Network Group. Um, and, and that was a really a, a terrific presentation that, uh, that really brought uh, uh, highlights to what the long-term survivors of HIV and aging are facing currently. Um, and I, so I listed um, a few uh, key issues and, and forgot to list one, but certainly housing is an issue. Isolation um, was highlighted, healthcare, and what I didn't uh, include here was behavioral healthcare. So those were four key issues that, that HIV, uh, long-term survivors are facing as they, as they age in San Francisco. Um, and some of these issues, um, some of these issues you'll note in the um, uh, recommendations um, or emerging needs that the service provider working group have identified as well. Um, in October, our meeting on October 18th, uh, we will have a training on ableism uh, and that is going to be uh, presented by uh, members of the Seniors and Disability Action Organization. 
and then um, and that would start at 3 p.m. on October 18th. And then in November, um, we will our, our presentation uh, is from SF Reserve on employee employee re recruitment and retention during COVID, which has uh, been an emerging need as well. The service provider working group, um, as uh, Executive Director Dearman mentioned, we are meeting with the Resource Development Association, Associates RDA on October 27th um, to begin the needs assessment process through the lens of the service provider working group. Um, and these are the emerging needs that, that we've identified thus far. Um, the challenges of a hybrid work environment for both staff and participants. I think everybody believes that hybrid uh, programming is essential as as we move forward here in the next in the next year. Staffing challenges as that agencies are facing to help with um, so agencies really need help with recruitment to maintain staffing levels and replace those who are leaving. And the vaccine requirements have been impacted. Uh, staffing levels as well, especially with the, the, the mandates and some employees choosing to leave rather than um, to meet those requirements. Um, continuing increasing needs and support of remote learning and telehealth, again, part of the hybrid model uh, of, of providing services. The service delivery suspension and the challenges to plan for the future. Um, and I, I think this is an ongoing issue for many of our agencies in San Francisco as, as we all try to navigate uh, the, the pandemic and how to provide services in a safe and reliable way to our participants, um, but also meeting some really essential needs that, that can't be met uh, through telehealth. So it's, it's a combination. Of, of providing virtual services, but also in-person services as well. Transportation is a, is an emerging need. Obviously, there's there's it, it just a lack of of capacity um, for transportation right now for for seniors and adults with disabilities. I, I, we all know that social isolation um, was a uh, Key issue prior to the pandemic, it has uh, it, it obviously has increased since the pandemic, and will um, and, and still uh, uh, is a is a strong um, driver of of people's health in San Francisco, um, and 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 so we've included. Um, uh, social isolation as an emerging need. Um, behavioral health issues are on the rise. The digital divide and the lack of resources, and this has been an ongoing effort on the part of CASE, an ongoing advocacy effort to increase um, support of, of closing the digital divide. And then lastly, the need for more case management. And I say lastly, and I forgot to uh, include here, the need for housing um, and to pay attention to evictions for seniors and, and, old, and adults with disabilities as well. Um, and then finally, um, 
as Kelly mentioned, RDA are uh, holding key informant interviews uh, and our, my, myself and uh, the other co-chair of case, Fiona Pinze, uh, our interview is scheduled for October 8th uh, to inform RDA's efforts and approach to the, to the needs assessment process. And that concludes my report. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Gallagher, and especially for that very, very comprehensive, all the hard work that's going into surfacing uh, the assessments um, that will be then, uh, you know, will inform our Dignity Fund review and also uh, informs us as you indicate all of that. So thank you for providing that detail today as we go through and uh, help develop our action plans for the future. So this is all very, very helpful and reflective of our lives, I think, as commissioners. So you're addressing things we know very well about. So we appreciate the work that goes into that. Are there any other comments or questions uh, from other commissioners on Mr. Gallagher's report and work? Okay. Not so we can move on to the uh, public comment. Great, public comment commissioners. Ten, yeah. Yes, commissioners. Item ten is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment, and we will allow some time for callers to submit their request. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there is one caller in the queue. I am transferring now. Thank you. So, Commissioners, my Hello, name is call Constant. Yes. And um, I was wondering if you ever read the Brown Act. In this digital world, if you want us to participate, especially in this digital world, having a virtual meeting, of what use is it to have agenda items when the public at large cannot give the feedback? I do participate in many of the virtual meetings, and each agenda item has public comment. Unless the agenda item has no action. So you want us to hear about many things. The reports are very detailed. And I'm sure many of the elderly participants viewers would want to ask some questions. And you don't allow that. So you all might as well have your virtual meetings by yourself. You have, you have 10 agenda items, and only on two is the public allowed to give the input. There's something wrong with this. And you can watch the other virtual meetings and find out if what I say is factual or non-factual. 
Stop having said that. I admire the uh, presenters who are giving a detailed report. But we also should have on the website uh, timelines and goals of those things that are suggested, how they're executed, in other words, action. Uh, what is happening is that our seniors are now intense. Many have resorted to recreational vehicles living in despicable conditions. And all this and more can be brought to your attention if you allow more public comment after each agenda item. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. And moderator, are there any other callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, uh, there is one additional call I am transferring now. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and director Dearman. My name is Kathy DeLuca. I work with Community Living Campaign and we are one of the members of the city's long-term care coordinating council. And I wanted to call this morning and make sure you knew about an event that the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council is having on October 26th. Um, and it is uh, related to the state master plan for aging, which I'm sure you were all very involved in and, and know a lot about. And so the state master plan, if you're, if for anyone listening who doesn't know about it, was um, it's a 10 year plan that the city or that the state of California put together to really identify um, activities and policies and projects and plans that need to be in place in the next 10 years so that older adults and adults with disabilities in our state can really thrive in all areas of their lives. One of the main goals of the master plan for aging, the state master plan was housing for all. And so what we're going to do locally, uh, the long-term care coordinating council um, we're, we're going to um, talk about the master plan locally and we've decided to focus on this goal, the state goal of housing for all. And so our October 26th event will be on ending homelessness among seniors and people with disabilities in San Francisco. Um, your wonderful director, um, Director Dearman will be on our panel. Um, uh, director Shereen McSpadden from the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing will be on the panel. We'll have Beth Stokes from Episcopal Community Services. We'll have Yolanda Harris, a commissioner on the, S the San Francisco Housing Authority discussing these issues together. We're also really pleased to have Dr. Cushell, Margot Cushell, the director of UCSF Benioff Homelessness and Housing Initiative coming to really um, talk about what she knows and the research she and her team have done uh, to really give us that bigger picture of what's really going on with older adults and adults with disabilities that are housing insecure, become homeless or currently homeless or even formerly homeless in San Francisco. I hope you will join us at this great event. It'll be a great chance also for this commission um, to really continue this conversation that the advisory council um, is starting and that on uh, their wonderful report on this issue, it just feels like things are coming together um, with everyone working on this at the same time. So I hope you'll join us. It's October 26th, one o'clock to three o'clock. And um, 
for more information or just to RSVP, um, you can go to online to bit.ly slash SF master plan for aging, or you can just call me at 415-638-9183. That's 415-638-9183. So thank you all for all that you do um, uh, in all parts of your life, including this commission. Um, and I hope you'll join us for this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, caller. And moderator, do we have any other callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no other callers in the queue. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. And we can move on to the next item. Commissioners, your next item is item 11, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there is any old business that you would like to discuss. Seeing none, I'll hand it over to President Knutson to call the next item. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, commissioners, the next item of business is item 12. This item constitutes a consent agenda, is considered to be routine by the Disability and Aging Services Commission, and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There, are, there will be no separate discussion or presentation of this item unless a member of the commission or the public so requests, in which event the matter will be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding item 12, the consent agenda? Which of course is part of your agenda <laughs> to take a look at it. All right. Um, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 12? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Great, thank you so much. I'm hearing no further requests to speak on the item. We will close public comment. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda from the commissioners? So moved. I can hear uh, Commissioner Sklar has moved. Uh, second, I think uh, from Commissioner Lum, um, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve agenda item 12? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wander Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Okay, thank you so much. Um, the next order of business is agenda item 13, new business. Uh, we'll hear an informational review of the department's fiscal year 2021-2022 action plan presented by Executive Director Kelly Dearman and Valori Adifi. This item is presentation only and does not require a vote. So welcome. <laughs> 
Um, Secretary Bellow, could I please get screen sharing access so I can pull Absolutely. Up? Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, and you should have presenter capabilities. So um, while the presentation is being pulled up, I just want to um, thank um, Aditi and everyone at planning for um, helping uh, me put this together. And uh, I look forward to hearing this with you. Also, I understand that um, there are times when my voice goes out, so please let me know if you can't hear me. Okay, I'm sorry, I don't have a headset. All right, so I am happy to present to you all the fiscal year 2021 Department Action Plan highlights. Next slide, please. So um, this is our, uh, we'll be looking at our annual um, strategic reports. We have recently published our two annual reports. First is an action plan, which outlines what we'll be working on this year in support of our overreaching strategic goals. And uh, secondly, our year in re review. This is a look back report that highlights achievements from last year. They are These are both posted online on our reports page. I really recommend looking at the year in review. It's amazing um, what um, all of you were able to accomplish last year. Today, I'll be talking about our action plan for fiscal year 21-22. Say that right? Yeah, fiscal year 21-22. So our work is structured by five main goals. Goal one is supporting a robust network of community services. Goal two is protecting people from abuse and neglect. Goal three is providing consumer-centered programming that is responsive to each person's situation and needs. Goal four is conducting planning and evaluation of our work. And goal five is supporting our workforce. In my presentation this year, I'm going to highlight one action from each of these goals. But please know you can refer to the report and see all of the actions. Next slide. So for goal one, maintaining a robust, robust network of community-based services. Um, we had outstations that were launched at two sites beginning in July, 2021. The San Francisco VA Medical Center at Fort Miley and the War Memorial Veterans Building near um, City Hall um, were the outstations. We staff Fort Miley site two days a week and the War Memorial one day a week with CBSO personnel. The War Memorial is also staffed two additional days with volunteers from the Veteran Success Center who help clients sign up for virtual appointments with CBSO staff. We've had a lot of success engaging clients at the VA hospital in particular. We get more foot traffic there than in a typical day at Tugoff, especially during the pandemic. We're working. <coughs> Excuse me, we're working to build our capacity to staff outstations further with volunteers from the VA and Veteran Success Center. Next slide. Goal two is to protect older people and adults with disabilities from abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation. One of our strategies is to um, work with government and community partners to enhance the city's systems level response to elder abuse, dementia, and other factors in these high-risk populations. 
The city has a climate hazard and resilience plan. It's an extensive report detailing climate and other risks we face as a community, such as earthquakes, floods, wildfires, heat day, high heat days, etc. The report contains broad recommendations for action that cut across city departments. Two or three of these items involve DOS in a more specific way. One recommendation is about making municipal investments in community-based organizations to help them prepare emergency plans for their own organizations, as well as their clientele. This allows us to build greater disaster preparedness and resiliency at the neighborhood level. The Mayor's Office on Disability is the lead for this item, and DOS will be working closely with them to plan and impl implement this pilot. We'll be scoping this work out in more detail over the next month, so I'm sure I'll have more to report. Next slide. Goal three is to provide and support consumer-centered programming to best address client needs. Our strategy B is to streamline access to resources and advanced service integration across department, this department and communities to promote timely access of relevant services. Our plan is to procure a vendor to build a dynamic online resource directory for disability and aging services. We have a target launched for fiscal year 22-23. The directory will build on prior best practices research and it will inform the design and function of this centralized school. We're really excited about this online resource directory and you know we've been talking about it but now it's really happening. Uh, next slide. Goal four is to expand planning and evaluation efforts to ensure best use of resources and maximize client outcomes. Strategy C is to facilitate the planning processes and implementation of efforts to promote inclusion of older people and adults with disabilities within the broader city community. So according um, to a local ordinance, DOS is responsible for facilitating and preparing two major reports on affordable housing for seniors and people with disabilities. The first of which will be published later this year. This first report provides a snapshot of existing affordable housing units occupied by older adults and people with disabilities as well as units in the production pipeline designated for these populations. We are preparing this overview report for the first time this year and are expected to provide an updated overview annually, except in years when the community needs assessment is completed. The second report is a community needs assessment on affordable housing for older people and people with disabilities. We will begin the needs assessment process this year. We plan to publish the report late next year in accordance with the legislative timeline. City departments and the development of these reports include the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, the Mayor's Office on Disability, and the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. This report, um, so we've already done the snapshot review and that is, um, it all comes at the same time that the um, advisory council also completed their report. So it's all very timely. Next slide, please. Goal five is to support and develop and engage 
professional workforce that is prepared to work with older people and adults with disabilities. So our strategy C is to collaborate with education, training, and workforce programs locally and regionally to address the shortage of adequately trained and engaged professionals um, in this field. Last month, Homebridge, our partner that offers agency-based home care for IHSS clients unable to manage their own care, launched a 15-week on-the-job certified nurse assistant training program in partnership with the University of California, San Francisco, and City College of San Francisco. This work builds on continued efforts by DOS and Homebridge to support the recruitment and retention of the professional caregiving workforce. For example, Homebridge's skills training and employment pathways tiered wage program, which is designed to improve the skills, recruitment, and retention of home care providers. This was piloted two years ago and continues um, due to its success. So we are steadily trying to build the workforce. So that is just a snapshot of some of the strategies within each goal, but I, can, I really urge you all to um, read the entire report. And that's all I have unless there are questions. No, thank you so much, Aditi and Director Dearman. Um, I know that this does include a lot of uh, uh, the uh, comments and suggestions we've been receiving from our advisory committee on homelessness uh, around the homeless issue and also the other, uh, all of the other um, goals and, and uh, needs uh, mentioned in the uh, case report report today. So I think we're gratified to see that being reflected, uh, especially I'm gratified to see and look forward to the online um, benefits. Uh, uh, um, it's going to be a real improvement, although I do think that our website right now is pretty darn good. So and and using the phone number works. <laughs> so we're but we're going to build on that and 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 all of those things. Um, this is a lot uh, that's in this report. It's very, very important uh, to us. Uh, are there any uh, comments or um, questions from the other commissioners? Um, though I would uh, Commissioner Bissner, yeah. Uh, so, um, so, um, I would like to be involved in um, the emergency preparedness. Uh, would like to be involved with the emergency preparedness? Um, action or whatever. Action? Um, I know for me it's been something I've been personally worried about. For me, it's been something I've been personally worried about. I mean, I have really good support systems. I have really good support systems. But, you know, what happens if I'm, say, out and about in an emergency? What happens if I'm out and about or in, a, in an emergency? Or if I'm home alone. Or if I'm home alone. You know, the, so, um, yeah, so I do like to keep... Updated and do offer any, um, any expertise again. I would like to be updated and, um, give any expertise I can. And although the other point, um, and I really like the idea of an online, the online resource. I really like the idea of online resource. And now I know for me that though I do 
For me, that's how I do all of my looking. Yeah. You know, I am I'm one that this came to mind about that was do you think there would be work? Would you have a way to contact? Like, would there be like an email address for people to contact? Would there be an email um, or, or a phone number to contact? And, uh, I'm talking about any mom if someone needed more help. If someone needed more help. And I know for me when it comes to online resources. I know for me when it comes to online resources. Sometimes they just have the um, phone number to call. Sometimes I just have the phone number to call. And then it. Then I need one. Annika to call. Then I need Annika to call. Oh, someone else to call. So that is. Yeah, that is just a thought. That's just a thought. Okay. That's great. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner. So a couple of things, um, we'll be working with the mayor's uh, office on disability with the um, emergency preparedness plan. And I will um, definitely let them know that you're interested in um, participating at some level on that. Um, in terms of the resource directory, um, it will be an online resource directory, but there will always be a phone number that people can call and there will always be a place where people can go um, if because understand that, we, that online doesn't work for everyone. Um, this will just be another tool that can be used. And then good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Commissioner Jung, did you have a question or comment? Uh, I have actually more comments uh, in general. I just want to first thank and commend uh, Executive Director Dearman and her staff uh, for the excellent work that you and your staff continue to do. I really appreciate um, both reports here with you on action plan, and I'll just focus on action plan since this is what we just went through. Um, I have to say in general that this really helps me as commissioner to basically help focus um, the work that DOS is doing. Um, with the many committees, groups, um, CBOs, contracts um, that we hear and uh, hear from and contracts that we review. This really kind of pulls it all together and puts it in place and keep the work that we do for this important um, community of uh, older adults and adults with disabilities um, to, make sure, to ensure that there is um, good planning, good well, plan of thoughts, um, um, ensuring that we're being efficient, not maximize, not, not uh, duplicating services, but maximizing our resources. So I really appreciate this format. Um, as far as on the, the specifics on goals, um, I, the five goals I think are really right on. I really appreciate our format and how we do um, get um, 
your plan as to you know what's what's what what are you working on next year and it's a whole lot of work and um and i really do appreciate all that uh, work and thoughts behind it um the specifics that you had uh commissioner dermot had focused on um i think are kind of my um I totally agree what's being focused on in terms of outstationing veterans. I think getting out into community, getting the information out there was so important. Because um, too often that um, people are not aware um, of what services are available and being able to get the services out there, I think is, is really right on. Um, that also goes to working with CBOs and um, disaster planning on a neighborhood base, working on very most basically close to the ground to make sure that we are working directly uh, for those uh, individuals and families that are being impacted potentially by disasters. Um, the online resource, I think so important. Again, as much as we do, uh, it seems that there still seems to be a gap in terms of getting information out as to what our, the resources are. And, um, Next, in terms of um, affordable housing, I think this again, really important, really right on, uh, especially when looking at um, at older adults and adults of disabilities and, and needs uh, to be ensured that they are uh, getting the housing that they need uh, more in terms of prevention, the homelessness, uh, where that happens, what can we do to better plan? Uh, for what the housing needs are, and so important with continuing growing population. And um, as far as um, supporting our staff and professional workforce, so important because yes, and these are people who do that work, and we need to ensure that they continue to get um, the training and the review and the support that they need in order to do this very important work. So. Thank you again. I think it's great work. I think uh, the action plan is right on and it's a whole lot of work in front of us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Commissioner Jung. I really appreciate that. And and uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing staff over here. They work really hard and um, putting this together was so helpful for me um, because you know one of my visions is all about outreach and this so speaks to how are we gonna reach people where they are and you know we have to lift up rocks or knock on doors and that's what we'll do and that and and so that runs through this whole action plan so it's yeah i agree with you it's a lot of work but i have the utmost confidence um in our staff over here and um i'm really looking forward to what we will do this year thank you all right thank you um any other comments or questions from our other commissioners on this action plan Okay. Um, then seeing no further comments, I will move on to the CLF six month report presented by Fannie Lapitan. Uh, this item is presentation only and does not require a vote. Welcome, Ms. Lapitan. <laughs> I can see you right below me. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. Again, my name is Fanny Lapitan, program manager for the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, I'm presenting the Community Living Fund six month report, which covers January through June of 2021. 
Um, my apologies, I don't have a pretty uh, PowerPoint presentation to share, so I'm going to try to be brief and uh, make sure that um, I just um, give you uh, really good information here. Um, so as you may already know, the Community Living Fund, or CLF, was created in 2006 to support aging in place and uh, provide community placement alternatives for people who would otherwise uh, require care within an institution. Um, this fund serves adult San Francisco residents with incomes uh, that are up to 300% of the federal poverty level. They must be willing and able to live in the community with appropriate supports, and uh, they must have a demonstrated need for a service that will enable them to live in the community or, again, prevent institutionalization. Uh, I'm sorry, I feel I, it sounds like somebody is also talking. I just want to make sure that you guys hear me clearly. clearly. Yeah, someone's mic is not, someone's mic is, someone's not muted because I keep hearing it and I'm having a hard time. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. We could, um, Jasmine, you, you, can you tell who's talking and mics? Not yes, muted? yes, so I was so going I through was a panelist. I can't see, I can't it, there, see it there, but allow me to check, the, me attendees. To check the attendees. Thank you. Maybe, maybe uh, Commissioner Squaw. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah, Thank better. you. That's better. <laughs> better. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so again, target population of CLF are individuals ready for discharge from Laguna Honda Hospital. San Francisco General or other San Francisco skilled nursing facilities or individuals who are already in the community but are at imminent risk of institutional placement, uh, but you know, with appropriate supports can remain in the community. Um, CLF uses a two-pronged approach um, to provide home and community-based services. Uh, we provide coordinated case management, and then we also provide uh, purchases of goods and services that's not accessible through other resources. Um, the Institute on Aging, or IOA, is currently the contracted service provider of this program. So um, a section in the San Francisco Administrative Code requires that DOS report the level of service provided by CLF as well as um, the costs that are incurred every six months. So um, again, I just want to highlight just a few things from the report that was shared with you all ahead of time. Um, so hopefully you, you have access to that. Um, first, uh, I want to highlight that CLF received a total number of 68 new referrals and served a total of 281 clients during this six-month reporting period. Um, of those served, 70% received the intensive case management. Um, and then we also had a total of 104 clients um, who received a rental subsidy through the scattered site housing program that's administered by our community partner, uh, Brilliant Corners. 66% um, of the referred clients were older adults age 60 and up, and 34% uh, were adults age 89 to 59 with disabilities. Um, trends in the ethnic profile of new referrals remain generally consistent with prior periods. Uh, referrals for white clients make up the largest group at 35%, um, followed by African Americans at 26%, uh, Latinx at 18%, and then Asian and Pacific Islander referrals at 11%. We also uh, seen during this uh, six month period that about 72% of our referred clients most commonly identified as heterosexual and about 9% identified as LGBT. 
uh, the most commonly requested services for CLF uh, would be case management. And that's about 54% of our uh, enrolled um, uh, of our clients. Um, In-home support at 47%, and then housing-related services at about 41%. Um, last year, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, the shelter-in-place order in the city, uh, the, C the CLF program uh, modified its services to provide um, telephonic and virtual engagement with clients uh, for their assessments, the care coordination, and other support. CLF put in place um, an essential home visit protocol to allow for in-person visits as of April uh, of this year. Um, and then since June of this year, June 2021, the program has gone back to doing most face-to-face -face visits and related services. Um, staff were trained on safety precautions and provided with personal protective equipment to uh, ensure both staff and clients are kept safe when meeting in person. Um, and uh, the program continues to monitor any changes in the guidelines and directives from the Department of Public Health related to vaccination, equipment, and other uh, protections for COVID. And then um, also CLF continued to support the DOS Public Guardian's Office through the PG Housing Fund, which provides um, individuals conserved by the PG with housing subsidies and assistance with move-related costs. During the last six months, um, CLF supported a, um, a total of uh, six uh, participants with boarding care patches. And then uh, finally, since March of last year, uh, CLF has been collaborating with in-home supportive services, adult protective services, HomeBridge, and um, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing to, to assist individuals through discharge from Laguna Honda and San Francisco General and placed in a project room key or uh, the shelter in place hotel site. The CLF program's uh, rapid transitions team uses the uh, modified fast track process to assess and enroll these individuals in the program and really help them with their transition uh, so that they become, uh, they could be stable during their stay at the SIP hotels. Um, to date, CLF has served uh, 49 participants through this effort. Uh, with that, um, I'd be ha happy to answer any question the commissioners may have about the report at this time. Great. Thank you so much, Ms. Lapitan, for um, always giving us an update every six months. So I think we've really learned a lot about this program. Um, I had one question, which was I think there was a slight drop in participants in, in some aspect of the program. And I wondered if that was probably pandemic related or something. Or is there any, any particular uh, reason yeah. we should be aware of for that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really many factors, but certainly the pandemic has affected, um, as you know, um, as we get referrals from skilled nursing facilities or the hospital, it's really also uh, with the need for, for a placement or housing in the community. Um, so with the pandemic, there was in the last six months some delays in discharges because of um, some quarantine procedures happening at Laguna Honda, but also uh, really finding appropriate housing for them in the community before they discharge has been a struggle. Um, many of um, our referrals are, uh, you know, they have disabilities, mobility um, issues, and uh, most of them do use wheelchairs. So it's been difficult to find ADA units to accommodate those. Um, you know, we, we need like, you know, we need the space, we need the um, accessibility. Um, uh, so that's been sort of a factor as well. 
Okay, thank you. That that actually helps us understand why we're setting priorities around that type of housing in other categories. <laughs> so yes, of things exactly. that we've learned about. So that, that's good to know. Um, any other comments or questions from commissioners? Um, then seeing no other comments or questions, we'll move on to uh, DOS fiscal year 21-22 uh, schedule for uh, request for proposals and contract renewals presented by Tara Alvarez and Sarah Hoferberg. Uh, this item is for presentation only and does not require a vote. And I see our participants, so welcome. <laughs> our presenters, welcome. Um, can I get sharing capabilities, Jasmine? Certainly, give me just one moment here. And was it Tara that wants the sharing or Sarah? Tara. Gotcha, Tara. <laughs> Give me just one moment. Apologies, apologies. I believe Justin would have to do it. Would he have to? Okay, it's thank you. Yeah. It's either that or uh, whoever the last presenter. Oh, I got it. Ah, perfect. There it is. Thanks, Justin and Jim. Now we can see it. Okay. Um, good morning, commissioners. My name is Tara Alvarez, and I am from the HSA Office of Contract Management. With me is my colleague, DOS Program Analyst, Sarah Hoferberg. We are here this morning to present the four-year dignity fund cycle, along with the schedule for fiscal year 21-22, requests for proposals and contract renewals. Every year, contracts and program staff work together to develop this schedule. The schedule gives an overview of what we are working on and what programs and contracts we will be bringing to the DOS Commission for approval. First, Sarah will give an overview of the four-year Dignity Fund cycle. Great. Thank you, Tara. Uh, good morning, everyone. President Knudsen, Executive Director Dearman, and all the commissioners. Um, in front of you, you're looking at um, a very simple calendar. Um, through the Dignity Fund Needs Assessment, we identified seven key service areas and divided them into three cycles. A, B, and C, and uh, we're currently in cycle C for fiscal year 21-22 um, through 24-25. And then um, moving on to the next slide, there we go. Um, shared in front of you is the list of requests for proposals or RFPs for fiscal year 21-22. And the next two slides you will see is the continuing list of RFPs being released this fiscal year. These programs are either new programs or existing programs that are expiring and require a new procurement. The RFPs listed will begin service in fiscal year 22-23 with a contract start date of July 21st or July 1st, 2022. The entries listed here include the program name, the month in which contracts plans on releasing the RFP to the public, and the month in which contracts plans to bring the item to the commission for approval. Although the dates are tentative and could possibly change, the department will try to stick with this schedule as much as possible. 
The RFP process takes approximately three months from the time that the department issues the RFP to the time we bring it, the item to commission for approval. The last set of RFPs will be issued in April with a tentative commission date in June. In total, the department has 17 RFPs scheduled for this fiscal year. And just to compare it to last year, there were also 17 um, RFPs. Um, and taking you through the slide, we have long-term housing subsidies, LGBTQ plus community social isolation and health, access and empowerment services, hazard and climate resilience, nutrition, and the Disability Community Cultural Center. And I thought I would take just a couple minutes to highlight some of the new programs on this list. Um, first, we have the LGBTQ plus community social isolation and health. And this program will allow for a new telehealth program to provide no cost mental health treatment to LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disability and a pilot program to provide internet access and devices to approximately 500 clients. The plan is to develop a centralized system for connecting LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities to mental health providers trained in intersectional strategies and with shared lived experiences. It will provide detailed training in working with marginalized populations for the providers and provide critical mental health services for LGBTQ plus folks experiencing isolation, depression, and anxiety as a result of the pandemic. Funding will also address the digital divide by providing devices and internet unconnected consumers so they can participate in programs and services available virtually. Um, next, we have some nutrition services. And through this RFP, DOS will be supporting the launch of two to three new and or non-traditional models of service to provide nutrition support in the community for older adults and people with disabilities with an emphasis on choice and cultural relevancy. There will be a focus on providing nutrition support in districts that have less options for nutrition support, such as District 11. There will also be a focus on seeking partnerships with new nutrition providers that have the ability to reach eligible clients who historically have not accessed DOS nutrition services and would benefit from this support. Um, another new program is the Disability Community Cultural Center, which is a project DOS has been working on with the Mayor's Office on Disability. And this will be open at the Kelsey Civic Center housing site in the Civic Center area. The DCCC will provide virtual and in-person community service programming, educational, artistic, and social networking opportunities focused on serving individuals with disabilities and their allies who live or work in the city. The San Francisco Disability Community and Cultural Center will bring diverse people with disabilities together to access resources, advance social justice, and foster disability culture, community, and pride. Um, so those are some of the new programs. And then moving on to the next slide, um, you will see a list of existing contracts requiring new procurements. So with that, we have technology and connections at home, nutrition and supportive services for healthy outcomes, legal services program for health-related law, housing resource list, and life planning legal service program for LGBT older adults and adults with disabilities. From this list, um, I thought I would talk about the technology and connections at home. The purpose of this grant is to deliver a community-based program for older adults and adults with disabilities that provide long-term access to technology devices, technology instruction, and health coaching. The program enables consumers to acquire skills and information that are beneficial in supporting their health and well-being. The grantee will provide older adults and adults with disabilities who are isolated or at heightened risk of isolation with technology devices on a long-term basis, 
ongoing technical support and training on the devices issued. The technology devices provided by the grantee include an iPad, a Fitbit, and a wireless scale. The training program consists of a 50-week defined curriculum with classes offered twice a week. Programming also includes one-to-one -one health coaching, supplemental training, and technical support. So moving on to the next slide, um, this continues with a list of existing programs that require a new procurement. So with this, we have the Kinship Family Caregiver Support Services, Respite Care, LGBTQ-focused community services at an ADHD, uh, community service programs for veterans, supportive services and services connections for veterans, and the high-risk self-neglect multidisciplinary team. Um, and so with that completes the list of RFPs, and I will hand it back to Tara. Okay. Shared in front of you is the list of renewals for fiscal year 21-22. As you can see, there will only be one renewal. And the purpose of this grant, the Emergency On-Call In-Home Supportive Services, or IHSS, is to improve consumer access to the independent provider mode of IHSS in emergency situations. And since there is only one renewal, we are forecasting that this will lead to a much more balanced commission agenda throughout the year. Shared in front of you is the list of sole source grants for fiscal year 21-22. There will be six sole source grants total. A sole source is when we have determined that these contractors are the only agencies to provide these specific services. So doing a solicitation would be pointless because we can only award to them. Sole sources ultimately get rid of the solicitation process. One sole source grant I would like to highlight is legal assistance for veterans with mental health claims. The purpose of this grant is to provide free legal counseling and representation for vulnerable and underserved veterans with complex benefit claims to remove legal barriers and increase access to Veterans Administration health care, monetary benefits, and housing assistance. And with that, that is the end of the presentation. Okay, well, thank you so much, Ms. Alvarez and Ms. Hoferberg, um, uh, for the very comprehensive heads up about what's ahead for us. And we do appreciate a balanced uh, commission agenda, but we really actually appreciate everything that uh, all of these programs represent. Um, are there any questions? There's a lot presented to us, uh, but it is a pretty straightforward uh, report. Any comments or questions from commissioners? Okay, seeing no further comments or questions, we will move on to, uh, to oh, sure, sure. Commissioner John, yes, please. Uh, can we get a copy of, of that, uh, your presentation? Of course. Can you, will you be able to share a copy of the presentation with us? Yes, we okay. can definitely do that. Thank you. Yes, Great. thank you, Tara. If you send it to me, I'll ensure all the commissioners receive it. Great. Um, then, Yes, Commissioner Lum. Yeah, um, my only comment is is, is that uh, you know when, when you when we're getting a, a such a comprehensive uh, uh, report on program that are, are upcoming, it would be nice to know the, the cost of the program and the the uh, estimated cost of the program and the, and the number of people that this po each which one of these programs is going to serve, so that we have you know, that we get we we can get a better uh, idea of, of the total assessment. 
want to provide a uh, explanation for that question? Or sort of like the timing? No, it's that explanation. Yeah. It's uh, just additional information. No, I was asking actually our our presenters to answer your question. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Jump in. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just seeing if they could answer it for you. Um, sure, I can take a stab at it. And Mike, if you're out there, feel free to um, jump in. But um, this is just this is the plan for the year. And once we dig into the RFPs a bit more, um, when contractors you know, we have a certain dollar amount that we'll put out in the RFP, but for the case for, excuse me, in this situation, we might not have that dollar amount available yet. And also um, once we get the proposals, the contractors will tell, will give us an idea of a budget and also the number of folks that they plan on serving. And that's kind of how we hash out all of those details. So if we were to give you those today, that might change significantly by the time it's brought to a commission um, when we have an agreement with a contractor. Any other, any other comments or questions about this? Okay. Um, then uh, we'll move on to review of the fiscal year 21-22 California Department of Aging Area Plan Contract AP 2122-06 Amendment 1 presented by uh, Michael Zog. And welcome, Mr. Zog. Hey, good morning, uh, commissioners, uh, Executive Director uh, Dearman. Uh, I'm Mike Zog, Program Director from uh, Office of Community Partnerships in DOS. I am back uh, following up from my presentation last uh, month where we talked about the area plan contract. Um, we got it approved. It funds, I think it gives about five, uh, almost $6 million in funding for Older Americans Act programs. And last month it had the unusual um, a situation where we had an incorrect um, dollar amount, which we still needed to approve anyways. So I'm back to report on what has happened since then, and I have I have good news since then. Um, we have received um, so through um, the California Department of Aging is able to amend the contract periodically through the year. Um, they do that typically to add in additional dollars. Um, they have done that. Um, we have gotten information about that with numbers for Amendment One. And through that process, um, they have corrected the nutritional um, congregate meals amount, as well as provided us some additional dollars, which is exciting and comes from some new state um, funding initiatives to support these programs. So I think the big headline from last month was our congregate meals showing a year-over-year um, -year deficit of about $467,000, which was significant. Um, through this amendment, they have corrected that calculation and given us back uh, just a little over $350,000. Um, that means in the in the congregate uh, meal world, we do show a year-to-year -year decline of about $100,000 in federal and state funding in that program area. Um, for the moment, we're not worried about that. Um, we know that there is additional inbound um, state and federal funding that will be tied uh, potentially to this program. We'll also get a feel for where we're at with service demand um, in congregate meals. And I think um, in the next few months, we'll have a better feel for whether there will be any impact um, in this area. Um, a couple other areas um, to highlight for this amendment. Um, we saw a significant increase in funding um, for home delivered meals, um, about $700,000 in new funding. 
Um, this includes a significant chunk of that money coming from the state of California. Um, this is part of the state's um, investment in these services. Um, so they have chosen to uh, route these dollars through the California Department of Aging and through our Older Americans Act um, area plan grant to, to support uh, that service. Um, we also have um, a new investment from the state of $100,000. Um, the state set aside, I think, $3.3 million or a flat $100,000 for every AAA uh, in the state was the idea that this would um, be dedicated to administrative support. Um, so those are funds that will be used internally to, um, to offset costs that DOS incurs in administering um, our area agency on aging um, and all the, the work that comes with that. Uh, all in all, um, I think that this area, this amendment brought in, um, I think just a little over $1.1 million uh, in additional funding which we will utilize um, uh, in, uh, we will utilize in supporting congregate meals um, and support and expanding um, capacity for our home delivered meal programs. And those are the big ones. So that's, okay. that's kind of my update. So happy to answer any questions. No, thank you. Thank you for explaining all of that. Um, uh, any questions or comments from our commissioners on this item? Um, seeing no further comments from the commission, we will move on. Um, commissioners, the next agenda item A through C are action items that do require a vote by the commission. And we'll start with item A, which is review and approval of the California Department of Aging, Medicare improvements for patient and providers, known as MIPA, contract MI 2122-06 in the amount of $100,321 for self-help for the elderly and a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $110,353, the associated budget and all subsequent amendments. And Melissa McGee will present this item. I believe Hello. I'm here. Hello. Oh, great. I can see I can see Ms. McGee. Thank you for coming. Welcome. Sure. So hello, commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a program manager with the Office of Community Partnerships at the Department of Disability and Aging Services. <clears throat> I am seeking your review and approval of the California Department of Aging Medicare Improvements for Patients and Providers, known as MIPA, contract M12122-06, the associated budget and all subsequent amendments. And for your information, presentation of this standard contract document before the Disability and Aging Services Commission for your approval is a required step in the California Department of Aging's contract certification process. <clears throat> the funding provided through the MIPA grant is to increase Medicare beneficiary enrollment in the prescription drug benefit low income subsidy program, the Medicare savings program and Medicare Part D. <clears throat> MIPA program services will be completed by San Francisco's Health Insurance Counseling and Advocacy Program, HICAP, which is operated via a contract with DOS OCP by Self-Help for the Elderly. HIPAA grantee Self-Help for the Elderly has administered the MIPA program as part of their larger HICAP since the incep in inception of MIPA. Self-Help for the Elderly has been 
very successful in meeting the MIPA grant purposes. Monitoring for fiscal year 2021 was conducted in June 21. The program was in compliance with contract terms with no findings and no corrective actions needed. I request your approval of the standard contract document. Thank you. Are there any okay. questions? Yeah, thank you so much. Are there any questions from the commissioners on this item? Hearing and seeing none, um, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item A? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item A. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Great. Then hearing no further requests uh, to speak on the item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item A? I move. Okay, from okay. Commissioner Bittner and a second. Okay. I, Frank, uh, Vice President Spears. Uh, Madam Secretary, please call a roll call vote to approve item A. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Great, thank you so much. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item B and also requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of community services to older adults and adults with disabilities during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2023 in the amount of $1,529,505 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $10,562,342,000. And Lauren uh, McClaslin will present this item. And I think I'm here. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh -huh. Welcome. There you are. Thank you and welcome. All right. Good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Lauren McCaslin and I'm a program analyst with Office of Community Partnerships. I'm seeking your approval to modify multiple grants for the provision of community services. DOS funds community centers throughout the city to provide community services programming for older adults and adults with disabilities. Community services includes activity scheduling, translation services, social services, and enhanced outreach. Each community center provides a unique set of activities and services based on participant need and feedback. Each year, the Board of Supervisors has the opportunity to provide add-back funding to enhance services in their district. This modification includes add-back funding for multiple grantees that was allocated during the Board of Supervisors' add-back process. Modifications are tailored to the specific district's needs, including funding for technology training, additional translation services, grocery support during the pandemic, and safety seminars for the AAPI community. In addition to community services programming, some agencies provide higher learning classes, which are college level courses that were originally part of City College of San Francisco's Older Adults Program. 
In 2020, DAS began funding the continuation of higher learning classes. The purpose of this modification is to continue higher learning classes through December 2022. Course topics include physical fitness, wellness, nutrition, art, music, and language arts. During the pandemic, some classes will be offered virtually while others will be in person. I'm happy to answer any questions you have about the modifications included in this community services packet. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much, Ms. McCaslin. And I, for one, was heartened by uh, hearing that we were going to be able to fund some of these very important programs that I know uh, got cut and people were very upset within the community about that. So that I was glad to hear about this, read about this. Any other questions or uh, comments from uh, commissioners and Vice President Spears? I have um, uh, just one question. What um, district is not covered by these programs or did I? I count 10 and I think there's 11 districts. So I was just curious. That is a great question. Um, I would need to look that up and provide that information okay. for you. Okay. Great. Um, and uh, Commissioner Bittner, did you have a question? Yeah, I just um, Older adults of um, people with disability. Is this for older adults? Is that what you asked? Um, is it only for older adults? Or is, is it, it only for older adults? Um, is it for people with um, younger people with disabilities? Or is it for younger people with disabilities too? The community services is um, for older adults and adults with disabilities, and that includes the higher learning classes as well. And yeah, that was my question. Thank you so much. Great, great to hear that. Um, any other questions or comments from commissioners? President Commission. Yeah, yeah, uh, Commissioner John, yes, please. I just want to remind you, uh, I need to be recluse from this agenda item because of potential conflict for one of the listed grantees. Thank you very much for reminding me, and I recognize that recusal, and we will have an adequate uh, quorum today to pass this, so this will all right. work Thank out. You. Thank you, though, for that. Um, uh, do we have any, uh, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item B? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item B, and we will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Okay, great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item B? I move. So moved. I, I, uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved and Commissioner Sklar has seconded. Uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item B? Certainly. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? She's recused. 
I apologize. Thank you. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote with the recusion of Ms. Jung. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item C and also requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of the village and community connector model for the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $283,316 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,399,102. And again, uh, Lauren McCaslin will present this item. Hello again, Welcome. commissioners and the executive director, Dearman. I'm seeking your approval to modify grants with multiple grantees to provide community services through the village and community connector models. Unlike traditional community services programs, these models provide services in a distinct neighborhood at various locations rather than at a specified community center. The village model is a membership driven program. Members receive assistance with services as well as educational activities in their neighborhood. The program relies on the network of volunteers that are able to assist members with as needed requests. Because of this, Next Village and SF Village began working with the volunteer app MonaMe. The subscription allows them to keep track of volunteer hours and feedback about visits, as well as coordinate membership renewals, post their calendar of events for participants to register in advance, and collect required participant data. The purpose of this modification is to support both grantees in continuing their MonaMe subscription. Additionally, the next village modification includes funding for the village program in District 2. Next Village expanded their village program into District 2 in 2018, and this funding will allow them to continue providing services and recruiting members who live in District 2. A community connector program serves multiple neighborhoods and each neighborhood as activities and services tailored for their community. The purpose of this modification is to expand community living campaigns services in their District 4 Senior Power neighborhood location. During the pandemic, the connector coordinator for this neighborhood has kept in touch with participants through Zoom calls and weekly newsletters, as well as holding monthly outdoor pop-ups. This funding will support the continuation of these activities, as well as supporting Senior Power in moving back to an indoor location at the Terrebonne Police Station for monthly activities. Additionally, this modification covers funding for air filters and purifiers at each of their connector sites to help them safely reopen to in-person activities and prevent the spread of COVID-19. I'm happy to answer any questions you have at this time. Okay, do the commissioners have any other questions at this time around this item? I have a question. Sure, Commissioner Jung. Um, I just wanted to, um, similar to the question that uh, Vice President Spears asked on the previous um, contract, uh, under the Community Connector Program, it refers to the fact that it's providing services in eight neighborhoods throughout San Francisco. And I was just wondering what which neighborhoods those are. Yeah, I can uh, let you know that. So um, they provide services in District 11, 7, five, four, and, and again, 11, 
um, but the neighborhoods are um, in the Cayuga community, um, in um, Merced Extension Triangle, Miraloma Park, um, Sunnyside Neighborhood, Midtown Terrace, Inner Sunset, Outer Sunset, which is um, the funding for this specific ad or this specific funding, and the Excelsior and Crocker Amazon. Okay, great, thank you. And then I had a question. Just has I'm not asking for you know scientific expert, you know, based on everything, but just in your uh, general sense of it, has the Mona Me program because it's a different, it's a use of technology to connect volunteers. I know that that came about and was utilized more during the pandemic. Has that? Um, are we seeing any improvement in terms of the ability to connect uh, volunteers to uh, to services? And, and analysis of them. You, you went into some depth there about what its capability is, and I was wondering if people are uh, thinking that there's a, a it's a good good program to continue to use for that reason. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's still new, so we don't have a lot of you know data around mm -hmm. how much it has been able to help. But anecdotally, from our providers, mm -hmm. it's been really helpful for them to be able to connect with volunteers more and provide um, you know kind of in time feedback about any participants that the volunteers are working with. It's also helped with providers connecting with like COVID-19 status. So they're able to see that on the app. Um, so there's a lot more data that can be collected through the app, which really helps with just volunteer coordination and services. In addition right. to um, the, the app being able to collect data for uh, about her participants as well. So it really helps the agencies um, collect that data that is required by DOS. Um, and so they know more about their uh, participants. Okay, great. That's what I had thought I had heard, but I, I thank you for that. I'm very interested in this application. Um, then any other comments or questions on item C from the commissioners? Then uh, can we open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C. And we will allow callers some time to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, we yes, we do have one caller in the queue. I am transferring now. Thank you. Hello, caller. Your three minutes begin now. Good morning. Thank you, commissioners. My name is Jacqueline Zimmer-Jones and I'm the executive director of Next Village San Francisco. And we are operating in the Northeast districts of San Francisco. And we thank you so much for your support. And I'd like to just give you a little bit of uh, on the ground examples of what we do for folks. And I'd also like to let you know that we have been working weekly with Mona Me to make that platform as responsive as we need it to be and to provide us with the capacity to better report data to uh, the city's Department of Aging and get care platform. So we're very, very grateful for it. And it, it's really fantastic. It's the best one we've used. I just wanna tell you real quick about a member who came to us during COVID. Uh, we did run a program we co with in partnership with Food Runners and we delivered almost 5,000 meals 
during uh, about a 14 month period to seniors who were playing it safe and staying at home uh, during, uh, during the uh, pandemic. So that's pretty amazing. And we were so grateful to be able to do that. We do have one member that we met during that time and, and I, she has right now about eight different volunteers. We just installed a lockbox on the back of her building so that volunteers could get in and out of her building. She has rheumatoid arthritis. She can't get down to the front door. There's no buzzer in her building. There's no elevator. And if she could get to the front door, it's too heavy for her to open. It's, an, it's a North Beach neighborhood building. And so to have people come in and help her, um, it's very, very hard for her to, to open up the door for them. So we put a lockbox in, we've signed her up for Meals on Wheels. We've arranged for people to go over and take her garbage out every other day so that the packaging doesn't build up in her home and attract rodents. Um, we are taking her laundry somewhere and having it done because there's no laundry facility in her building. We got her a new phone because with her rheumatoid arthritis in her hands, she's not able to use the phone she had on hand anymore. Uh, we have a number of friendly callers and visitors going to her home. And also, unfortunately, she is hoarding a lot of materials in her home and is at risk of being evicted. And we have steadily um, been working with her uh, these past seven or eight months um, to help move things from her home out so that there's a clear path uh, for, for people to get in and out. So this is just a tremendous example of what the, a village can do for people. All of the volunteers that help her live nearby. Last week she ran out of toilet paper and we were able to find somebody at the last moment to run over and <laughs> hang some toilet paper on her door. Um, so this is, you know, this is just an example of some of the, of the services we're providing for people uh, beyond technology help um, beyond our, we host about 500 social, cultural, and educational events each year on Zoom and in person, more than any other village in the country. And we just lost, launched a podcast called Not Born Yesterday. We hope you'll give it a listen. If there's any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you, caller. And moderator, do we have any other callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no other callers. Thank you. And this concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from the commissioners to approve item C? I move. Don't move. Okay. Moved by uh, Commissioner Bittner, seconded by Commissioner Sklar. Uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item C? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, are there any announcements? Hearing none, then I am going to adjourn yet another meeting of our. <laughs> I have an announcement. I have one announcement. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. <clears throat>
I'm sure I'm not sure if everyone have, has seen, but um, yesterday the governor appointed Kim McCoy Wade, who was uh, previously the um, executive director, I guess, director of the Department of um, Aging uh, to be the senior advisor on aging, disability and Alzheimer's, which is a new position uh, that the governor has created. Um, and then taking her place in the at the California Department of Aging will be um, Susan, uh, let me get her last name. Susan DeMar DeMarcus, DeMar Maris, I believe is how she pronounces her name. And she was previously leading the Alzheimer's, um, executive director of Alzheimer's Association, or Alzheimer's at the, um, with the commission, uh, with the previous, um, what is, Gosh, I'm having a moment, a senior moment um, <laughs> with with um, uh, Shriver, um, former First Lady Maria Shriver. That's where Susan DeMarcus came from. So that announcement <laughs> came out yesterday. And why it is why it is important is I think we have someone that is moving from the Department of uh, Aging to a new position as an advisor to the governor that should assist us with the master plan for aging implementation. Great. No, thank you so much, uh, Commissioner uh, Vice President Spears, because of your special place uh, in this community. You know about those things, and we really appreciate your telling us. And. We are so grateful we had a governor to appoint the uh, that make that good appointment. I will just go that far. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm if hearing if there are any other announcements from commissioners. Been hearing none. I'm going to adjourn our uh, October 6th uh, meeting at 12:15. Uh, thank you again, commissioners, staff, uh, our director, all of the people who come to attend uh, from uh, the public. Uh, for this, uh, for coming together. So we will see you next month. Bye bye. Thank you. Meeting adjourned. Bye bye. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Not too bad. TV. San Francisco Government Television.